You're listening to the Poema Church Podcast. Thanks for joining us. We hope that this message encourages you, challenges you, and inspires you to see God in a real way. For more information about Poema Church, visit poemachurch.ca. Enjoy the message. Good morning, everybody. Man. If you don't know who I am, my name is Josh. I am the youth pastor here at Poema in Hamilton. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, I love you guys. I'm so happy to be here. And as I was prepping for my sermon this week, I was just struggling to find any kind of popular news that I could use. I was like, there's nothing going on right now. I was, sur- I was scouring articles, and I was just trying to find something that you know, it would relate on every level that everyone has heard about, that everyone has seen or read or something like that. And I, I was lost for words. I couldn't find anything. So if this message doesn't quite, um, you know, hit you, I'm sorry. I couldn't find any popular media to quite get something in that, that you had heard about. So if I make obscure references, I apologize uh, ahead of time. But, um, you know, we're going to continue with our relationship goals uh, uh, series, talking about all different kinds of relationships. I'll just kind of quickly summarize the last few weeks. Um, We talked about being single. We've talked about being married. We've talked about um, relationships as friends. We've talked about all types of um, relationships and and things that we, we deal with in our human interactions. And, uh, you know, I think it's really important, obviously, to, to really talk about those things and think about those things. And where I'm going to kind of go with this message this morning is uh, not off script, but a little bit off script. So I hope that you can bear with me. Oh, I just got a text message. <laughs> it was our worship director message. Hey, great to- job, team. <laughs> That's good. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to read something really quickly from the, uh, from the Bible. Um, this is from uh, a book called Mark, and it's in Mark chapter 12, 32, and 34. So the chapter is 12, and the verses are 32 to 34. And this is actually a little bit of a play, uh, or a little bit of a next step off the last message I spoke. Uh, I got to speak here about relationship goals. And um, the, the first one I spoke was about how Jesus responds to a question by saying the most important things of all the ancient Jewish Torah are these two steps. One, to love God with everything you have and then to love your neighbor as yourself. And the pattern for that is you love God and he revolutionizes your own heart so that you can accept and have grace for yourself. And in turn, that manifests in love for each other. And so this is kind of the next part of this, this chapter. It's literally the next part in the verse. So the person who asked this question, this teacher of religious law replied, well said, teacher, you've spoken the truth by saying that there is only one God and no other. And I know it is important to love him with all my heart and all my understanding and all my strength and to love my neighbor as myself. This is more important than to offer all the burnt, sac- burnt offerings and sacrifices required in the law. Jesus, realizing how much this man understood, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And after that, no one dared ask him any more questions because this is highly, highly controversial to say that loving people is more important 
than sacrifice and religion and offerings. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for this time together. We love you. We ask that you would have um, mercy on us, grace on us, and uh, heal us as we go through different things in this time, whether it be anxiety, whether it be fear, whether it be uh, uh, actual sickness, God, real physical things, God. I speak healing over this body of Christ, this, this church community, and right now I speak healing over the church at large all across Canada, that there would be a healing of their fear and anxiety and realizing where their priorities had lied and recognizing that you are our priority, God. We thank you so much for this time. God, give me patience and grace and help me please to not touch my face. In Jesus' name, amen. I have never been more tempted to touch my face than in the last three days, I have to say. It's like, don't think about elephants. <laughs> we're all, now we're just thinking about elephants. Did you guys watch the game last night? I work at a coffee shop, and this guy came up in line, and, you know, this is a couple days ago, and uh, I was like, hey, man, how's it going? Uh, can I get a coffee started for you? And he goes, I'm not even scared about this virus. <laughs> I was like, okay, man, like, do you, did you still want a coffee, or do you need to talk? <laughs> uh, so good. It's like people who don't like sports. They never tweet about sports. They never Instagram about sports. And people are like, I'm not scared about this virus. But actually, did you know? You know, they just like go out of their way to tell you information that you probably already seen. So anyways, I'm going to talk about goals a little bit here. What are some goals that you have in your life? Um, what does that word mean to you, goals? Is it something that you're not really sure how to get to? Is it something that you're not really sure what that means? Maybe you don't have a goal right now, or maybe you do. I think probably every, in the, every person in this room has some goal that they're trying to work towards. It could be, um, it could be going from single to in a relationship. It could be, uh, I, you know, my goal right now is to just save some money and pay down some debt. My goal right now is to get some extra working capital so I can invest in the stock market right now because it's a good time, just saying. I don't know what your goals are. And I think that we probably all have some level of goal. It could be a fitness goal. It could be any kind of goal that you're looking forward to attaining or you're looking, you're looking past where you are right now and you're looking forward to. And goals are a part of Western life. Goals are a part of, of living in North America. It's almost weird if you don't have goals. It's like, I'm, I don't know. I don't really have any, like, goals I want. It's like, what's, what's wrong with you? Are you okay? Like, did you contract COVID-19? You don't have any goals left? What, what are your goals? I'm sure that they are, some of them might be realistic. Some of them might feel unrealistic, but they're dreams or they're things that you have in your heart. And um, goals aren't bad. I think a lot of times in Christian communities or maybe like communities where priorities like um, living above yourself, people feel almost like embarrassed to have goals. And, and, and goals aren't bad. There are things that we don't necessarily have right now, and I, I don't mean physical things, but there are things that we don't have right now that we want to work towards. Goals are okay. Goals are okay. I had a goal uh, a couple years ago, uh, which my my amazing brother helped me uh, eventually accomplish, but my wife and I looked at each other and we realized that we wanted kind of a, a bigger space to, to, to live in. We wanted, uh, uh, we wanted to 
hopefully buy a house, but we were okay with renting something that made sense for us. And so we started on that goal. Part of that goal was going to appointments, open houses, uh, meeting with real estate agents, and, and having conversations to go to that next goal. But here's what's different from just having a goal and the, the intention of that goal. That intention of that goal, that intention to, to get a bigger space was that so we could have more people over. Because the apartment that we lived in was too small. We could have maybe four or five people, and if they had kids, it was like a danger zone. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it was a danger zone. So it was like we, you know, we're recognizing that we want to have a space for people to come over. That's a goal. But the point of the goal was people. The point of our goal was you. At the beginning of this year, you know, the, the New Year's resolution thing, I had one resolution that I, I didn't Instagram about or whatever, but I just kind of thought to myself, What's something I want to do this year? And the thing I want to do this year is build more relationships. And I said that to myself before Relationships Cool Series, before it seemed like the right thing to say. It was just something that I had been feeling. I want to rebuild and build some relationships. And so this is a goal that I had in my life. But then, then the thing that I have to challenge myself with is why. Okay, the goal was to get a bigger space what was my why? What is your why for your goals? There was a survey done about um, um, American people. Uh, so this is uh, people in the United States. So if you're not in this category, you can you know, exempt yourself. But <laughs> the number one reason why people wanted to go to the gym was to look hot. Okay? <laughs> that was the why behind the gym. Okay? I, you know, I'm, I'm proud of those people. They were honest. You know, they, they were like, no, I'm, you know, I'm just trying to work on my core because, you know, I got a, my back. It's like, no, you want to be hot. But what's your why? What's your why? What's your why for the goals that you've set? What's your why for your goal of I want to make more money? What's your why for I want to pay down debt? What's your why for going to the gym? What is the why that you have for your goals. Jesus came from heaven to earth. There was one goal, you. There was one why, you, me. He came and gave up. Whether you believe in heaven or not, let me just paint a picture. The idea of heaven, the concept of heaven, the actual physical place, whether you know scientists agree or blah, 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 the idea of heaven, everyone can agree, is an ideal place where we have no needs, no suffering, no tears. Whatever your philosophy is, the idea of heaven is a place without problems. And Jesus went from that to here for you. That was his why. That was his goal. All of this to say, this is wrapped up inside something that we have going on right now, and it's relationship goals. And I almost want to flip it a little bit with Pastor Matt and Pastor Rich's permission. The title of this message, the thought behind this message is goals, question mark, relationships, exclamation part. That is my thought for this. My goals, relationships. 
My goals right now is relationships. My goal for why I, I get to communicate is, is you. My goal for doing what I do with youth and other people, it, it's them. It's you. Goals, relationships. But here's the thing. I think a lot of the times we get caught up in the ritual of church and the ritual of coming here and the ritual of like doing the right thing. And there's not necessarily anything wrong with that, but Jesus is kind of trying to flip the script a little bit on the way we think about these things. He's trying to get us to go, what I thought was the most important thing was following all the rules, but actually the real most important thing is something deeper. So, what are some of your relationship statuses right now? Do you have parts of you where you've left destruction in your wake because of the way you've treated people, the way you've talked about people, the way you've talked to people? What is your relationship status right now? And I don't mean single married. I mean, like, what wake is behind you? Do you have, like, a clear path and a clear conscience of the people that are behind you? Or are you leaving people in your wake? of destruction and selfishness. See, that thought, that idea that we can leave a destructive path behind us and just keep doing church is not, not good. Not, not good. That is not, the, that's not, that's out of order. I don't mean to sit down and tell you like, you know, everything because I'm a 30-year-old young man. I have seen some life, but not very much. I have, a, I have a great relationship with my family. I'm very fortunate in a lot of those categories where people don't get those fortunate elements. But what I can say is the word of God shows us a pattern. If we want to subscribe to that, it shows us a pattern that a wake of destructiveness and then going and trying to go to church is not right. I'll show you. Some of you are like, I was, I was hoping you wouldn't show me, but <laughs> Jesus, um, <clears throat> Jesus has this moment in, in, a, in a book called Matthew, and it's very famous. You may have heard of it. It's called the Sermon on the Mount, okay? It's a, it's a, a long kind of dialogue where Jesus is um, he's, he's coming and he's kind of re-angling the way that all these Jewish people who had been so used to following some 613 rules, especially, you know, kind of like the Ten Commandments, they were like the apex. But these, these sort of like rules, and Jesus is coming in and, and he's totally re, reorganizing them in a way that actually seems like he's going right against them. But he he. he, def, he defines himself, and he says, I haven't come to abolish this law that we've been following. I've come to fulfill it. I've come to make sure that you understand its true, true purposes, okay? And so what's cool about um, the Sermon on the Mount, to me, is um, Jesus decides to gather a bunch of people. So right before this, in, in, in chapter 4 in Matthew, you can read it for yourself, but he basically starts to gather the disciples. And the, the disciples and the description of the people in this part are, are, are kind of like fishermen, shepherds. Um, they're, they're kind of like not highfalutin, powerful people. Okay, so he d- decides to gather all these like, k- kind of like nobodies. 
and 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 he starts to gather this crowd. And he goes onto this mountain, which is significant imagery, but he goes onto the side of this mountain also for being able to project his voice because there was no microphones. And he starts this Sermon on the Mount to a bunch of basically nobodies. These are people in the culture where, you know, when it comes to what gets printed in the media, so to speak, in that time, um, they, they, their opinions didn't really matter. You know, what they thought about what was important doesn't, didn't actually matter to the culture. What they thought about was important or relevant didn't actually matter to the people who are making those decisions. How many of us have felt like even though we have maybe valid opinions, I don't have a conversation with prime ministers or politicians or these types of people where I can actually say something like, hey, you know what, maybe we should make this decision. My opinion is out there, but it's actually shifting the culture. I don't have that audience. So Jesus goes out of his way to gather people that don't have that influence, and he starts this thing called Sermon on the Mount. And so he starts to reorganize the laws and the things that they had been taught since childhood. And he starts to challenge the status quo. And the part that I want to focus in on is this very part where it talks about how relationship is more important than sacrifice. So this teacher that I talked about in the first part, he makes that observation and Jesus echoes that. So this is Matthew chapter five, verse 21. Here we go. And he goes through this whole list of things and he goes, you have heard it said that it was said to those of old. Sorry, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder. And whoever murders will be liable to judgment. Okay, so everybody in the crowd goes, yes. At that moment, they're like, we have heard that. We shouldn't murder. Okay, good advice. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever says, you fool, fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. So if you are offering your gift at the altar... And there, remember that your brother has something against you. Leave your gift there. And go. Leave your gift there before the altar and go. First, be reconciled to your brother. And then come and offer your gift. Jesus is saying, your relationship is more important than your sacrifice. We don't necessarily give sacrifices in the way that they did back then. But what I believe that we do in our modern culture is we offer our gift. And our gift is things like communication, things like being in the worship band. These are the things that we do. The things that we do to help the temple or the church progress, happen. If there was nobody here to preach this morning, then 
maybe, maybe that's why we would have canceled service. Do you understand? So our gifts contribute to what is going on here. Everyone has something to bring to the table. Everyone has something. God says that. He says, I've all given you different gifts, and you should bring them all together. And what Jesus is making plain here for us is to recognize that if you are leaving a wake of anger in behind you, I don't care that you can come and leave a gift. It's not as important as your relationships. So that's awesome. And then think about what that would have meant to those people at that time. That would have been super controversial, like super duper controversial. I heard it said like this. So have you ever like, um, have you ever, uh, have you ever been to a country where they drive on the other side of the road, England or something like that? It's a very small number of, number of countries, but still, their rules are very different than our rules. Now, <laughs> if I was to stand up here and convince everybody in this room one by one that we should leave this room and go drive on the other side of the road, what would be the result? Chaos. Utter, utter, utter chaos, okay? It almost wouldn't make sense. But maybe if I was super compelling, I might be able to convince some people. And they would be like, okay, like, yeah, yeah, let's give it a go. Okay. That is the relevant anti-culture that Jesus is saying here. He's basically telling people, why don't you try driving on the other side of the road? That's the level of, of controversial that, that, that the Sermon on the Mount is. He is telling people, go drive on the other side of the road. And they're like, oh, all right, let's give it a go. And the people who are subscribing that are the people with, quote, unquote, no value. So the people who make the big decisions are like, no, 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 those aren't the rules. No, 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 no. And the people who are like, no, nah, we're going to follow this guy are now driving on the wrong side of the road. It was chaos. But this is the point. The who is 100% more important than the do. 100% more important than the do. The who, more important than the do. Scooby, dooby, dooby, do. (laughs) Here's the next part that I think is pretty cool. And this is something that's going to be challenging or maybe even something that you, you can't even relate to for now. Jesus says this in, uh, in verse 43, like a few, a few verses down. And I really like this. This is just like a side pause. This is like a side trail. Just follow me here. You have heard it said that you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemy and pray for those who, perse- who persecute you. Okay. What is the implication of saying that? Everyone in the crowd thought it was okay to hate your enemy. That was, no, that was okay, A-okay. Hate your enemy. Jesus says, no. Let's put an end to that and go counterculture. Let's go total opposite. Let's go the other direction. Let's drive on the left-hand side of the road. This is where Christianity has the opportunity to be different. 
than every other way of life. And that includes moments of cultural fear. We are permitted through the power of who Christ is and the grace of who he is to disagree with culture. Now, what was the first commandment that he says? Don't murder, okay? So, again, when you go countercultural, it's about relationship. You got to go to relationship. You can't go murder somebody because you're like, yeah, Pastor Josh said I can go counterculture. <laughs> it's about relationship. Goals, relationship. So with that, with enemies, with anger, with ambition, with all these things, these, these are the weights of the world that kind of start to get us down. I mean, maybe I'm just talking for myself here, but the, when I feel anxious, when I feel angry, these are the things that I start to be like, I can't do it. That, these are the, the, those are the emotions for me that start to overwhelm me. And what is, what is our solution to that? What is, the, what is one way that we can begin to understand, like, maybe that's not the way I want to think? And there are many different types of answers in the Bible, one of which Jesus has straight up just put, put them on me. And I think that's really, really, really helpful. But I think sometimes, and again, maybe people with microphones in churches shouldn't say this. Sometimes it's like, Jesus, are you really there? Are you really listening? I don't, I can't tell. Sometimes it's really hard to put my anxiety on something that I'm not really sure if it's there. It's like, oh yeah, put your, uh, put the bread and the groceries on the kitchen table. It's like, we don't have a kitchen table. Okay. It's, It's not there. Sometimes it feels like Jesus is not there. So what, is, what does that mean? What is that? Where am I going with this? One thing that hit me this week, and I was listening and reading to some stuff, one way I can stave off, one way I can push back, one way I can overcome anxiety, ambition, anger, is gratitude. Luke 17 Verse 11, on the way to Jerusalem, he, Jesus, was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered a village, he was met by 10 lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices saying, okay, Jesus is walking. He's clearly to them some sort of teacher or rabbi based off of probably um, the people that are following him and what he's wearing. So they see this person. They recognize this is a uh, religious person of some kind. And they say, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. But they're yelling, okay? So these people are pretty desperate. And when, he's, and when he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. Go yourself, show yourself. So in the law, the lepers had to go show themselves to the priest to make sure they were clean. And this is the part where I get off the bus as being a pastor when I have to check a leper everywhere, okay? <laughs> everywhere to make sure that they are fully clean. And so that's the part where I'm like, mm, maybe not for me. But uh, 
that was, that was the custom. That was the custom. So these 10 people start walking. And this is what I love. It says, and as they went, they were cleansed. So they just were like, okay, we'll, we'll go. And so they started walking. And then one of them, he goes, he, he saw that he was healed. And he turned back, praising God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. If you don't know what that means, he literally was hated. Jewish people hated. If this was a book to Jewish people, that would be super offensive. But he was a Samaritan. And then Jesus answered, were there not 10 cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except for this foreigner? Now the, the leper was smart. He didn't answer. <laughs> he's, like, he's like, this is a trick question. <laughs> and he said, rise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. When I get caught up in like the world and the things and I start to get the leprosy on me and the anxiety and the anger and the ambition, I'm the nine, okay? I wanna, I wanna go to Jesus and say like, okay, am I healed? And then kind of go back to my church and then be like accepted culturally. That's who I am. I, I wanna look okay, be okay, still be able to make money and, and, and be in the culture, that, that is who I become. And I totally have forgotten that Jesus healed me. And that's what this guy recognized. And that's the attitude of gratitude that you, we should have. Recognizing, wait a second, I'm getting caught up and wanting to be accepted and blah, blah, blah. No, no, no. The point of all of this, the point of getting healed, everything, is to go back and realize, Jesus, you are God. You are who you say you are. You are a healer. You are amazing. I, I don't deserve this. What faith did this guy display? Jesus says, your faith has made you well. What did he display? He just asked Jesus, Jesus, have mercy on us. Healed. Gratitude. Jesus' faith is what healed this man. I get caught up in making it about what I do. Cultural acceptance, acceptance within my church family. When really, the real reality of all of this is to recognize that I'm healed by one man, Jesus. That I'm whole by one man, Jesus. When Jesus says, your faith has made you well, it's kind of about his physical body, but it's about wholeness. Wholeness. When you're whole, your relationships become in the priority and in the place where they exactly should be. And look, we're going to go through days. <clears throat> we're going to have bad days. That's just the reality of the situation. We're going to have bad days. We're going to have bad days. We're going to have days that are we feel anxious, feel stupid, feel angry. But Jesus says, go show yourself to the priest. Go get acceptance from, from, the, from the priest. 
the hidden message there, the, Jesus was the priest. The only person who got it was the guy who was like, I don't really know the rules. <laughs> I just want to thank the guy that healed me. Jesus is the priest. Jesus is the one that we should go, hey, Jesus, am I, am I good? Inspect me. Am I okay? Is the leprosy gone? If you say it's gone, I believe you. But is it? The priest, the acceptance is right in front of us. The gateway is just a simple gratitude, a childlike gratitude, a, simplici a simplistic look, a simplistic worldview that Jesus just healed me. That's it. That's all I need to know. That's all I need to think about right now. That's all I need to worry about, quote unquote. I just need to worry about Jesus. Thank you so much for healing me. Thank you so much for being there. Thank you so much. Oh my gosh, you are amazing. Probably being grateful is the attitude I struggle with the most. That's my number one thing that I recognize that I do. And I'm like, oh, why? Why? Why do I just take all this stuff for granted? Um, this week, I just, I got in a, in a pretty uh, heated conversation just about work and my job and a lot of stuff that's weighing me down I realized I just need to have I need to be way more grateful and not like a project because once it becomes a project then you're just weighing yourself down you're like why are you not being grateful you gotta be more grateful and it's like counterintuitive so this week I just asked God please just remind me of what I do have I got breath in my lungs I got a church family that cares about me I got people that'll pray for me. I got people that'll be there for me, help me. I got people that I can just talk to. I got people that I can serve. I got people that I can practice and use my gifts for. I have a job. I hope that in somewhat of an uncertain moment in our culture, this idea, this mentality, this shift of gratitude, this shift of making our goals about people, this series about focusing on the way we treat ourselves and the way we treat each other. I hope in this moment, all of this lands somewhere in your heart, somewhere in your mind. I want you to know that I love every single person in this room. And I can only do that because I know that Jesus loves you. And I know it sounds cheesy and I know it sounds like a bumper sticker and I know it sounds like it can be pretty irrelevant when you're 
screaming at your wife and your husband or whatever. But on the other side of that, just know that Jesus is like, I can heal you, you know. I can heal this. Let's pray together. God, what can we say? What can we say, but we are grateful. We just lift our hands, lift our eyes, and lift our hearts to recognize that you are taking care of us through our trials, through our anxieties, through our ambitions, through our angers, through the destructive patterns we lay on our relationships, God, I know that you are fighting through all that noise to reach down and pull us out so that we can become the people that you want us to be, that you're calling us to be, that that we are going to be as we set our goals to love you more, be grateful to you more, and simplify and simplify the noise of our culture to just, God, I recognize you, I believe you, I accept you, thank you. God, help us forget about the performance, help us forget about the rules, help us forget about being good, and help us to just be, just be. And we know through the scriptures that when we call out to you, that's where healing starts, and that's where healing ends. We thank you for this moment. We thank you that today, March 15th, is um, in the United States a national day of prayer. And we join with fellow churches that are praying for solutions and answers in an uncertain time. God, I pray for every single church that we have relationship over in the United States. I pray for our Poema Orlando campus, that they would be a light that they would be healing, that they would be a solution to a problem, God. We thank you so much that you even give us a voice that we can speak these things out. We thank you so much that we have a community that's standing together. Washed hand in hand. (laughs) We thank you in Jesus' name. We praise your name. Amen. Thanks for joining us. We hope that this message encourages you, challenges you, and inspires you to see God in a real way. For more information about Poema Church, visit poemachurch.ca. Enjoy the message.